First Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, last week our lesson was about the subject of alcohol. And all these get recorded and put up on sermon audio in the download. And uh, you can hear and follow up and catch up with those. Tonight is a different subject entirely. It is about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is one of the key passages where we learn from it. And unfortunately, in many cases, I do not ever have to disagree with the author of our booklet that we use, but he, like so many, have have taught or have been taught by and now have regurgitated it, uh, something that I don't agree with, and I'll explain it to you tonight as we go. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to look at the second coming of Christ. And, uh, and so in your book, you'll have some things scratched out, and I'll explain those as we go. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. When you see sleep in the New Testament, you can tell the context is more than just simple physical sleep. It's talking about passed away. But the reason why it says sleep instead of dead is because it's referring to the believer who's passed away. And so it's like their body is asleep, R.I.P., rest in peace. And, uh, and the difference would be like in Revelation 20 where it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God in death and hell. So now, what's the difference there? They're unsaved dead, okay? Unsaved dead are just called dead because without, without Christ, you are dead in trespasses and sins. And even if you're walking around alive, you are really dead. And, and then when you physically die, it's too late. You have the second death. But 1, Corinthians, or 1 Thessalonians 3, uh, 4, chapter 4, verse 13. <clears throat> I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So the resurrection of Christ is what gives us the hope and the assurance that it's not over. And that our loved ones who have died, who are saved, are, are those in Christ, our born-again brothers and sisters who are gone before us into heaven, they are resting bodily in the grave, but their soul is with the Lord. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, meaning go before them. <clears throat> For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So the Bible teaches that there, whoever is still alive, whatever Christians are still on planet earth when the Lord returns, will be caught up with all of the dead who will have to come out of the graves their soul reuniting with their body, and they too will also be caught up to be with the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. <clears throat> I don't understand all that, obviously. This is very unusual. This is spiritual, a lot of it, and it's hard to comprehend all of it except that that's what it says. And, uh, and the point, though, is, is that when he returns, all of his will be caught up to be with him and gathered together, <clears throat> and we will be ever with the Lord. So let me read from uh, our booklet here and talk about this. The most misunderstood yet most encouraging doctrine in the Bible is the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Could it be that the devil has worked hard to hide this great truth because it is such an encouragement to God's people? And it has, it has become a confusion to the saints and to the lost because of some bad teaching that isn't proven in the Bible that has some, in some cases given some people some, a very false hope and a false security. All through the Old Testament, God rang a bell for the hope of his people. And God always gives hope. There's always hope, no matter what. If you're in Christ, if you're a follower of the Lord, there is hope. A follower of God, a follower of Jesus Christ, you have hope. It sounded, this bell of hope sounded the promise of the coming Messiah. And of course, when he came the first time in Christmas, when he came the first time, a lot of people weren't looking for him then. They didn't believe when, when he did come. They didn't believe it. Uh, in fact, <clears throat> as we get into the Christmas season, <clears throat> wise men from out of town believed it more than the people in Jerusalem believed it. Uh, they, were, they were not aware. Uh, they had the scriptures, but they were ignorant of the scriptures. Just like today, there's so many people ignorant of scripture, ignorant of what God's word is, what God's will is. 
there's just so much of that <clears throat> that is happening in, in repetition. It's very similar, very interesting to me to watch. I'm just amazed that we're talking about microchips under the skin and, and uh, one world government and globalism and all this. I'm amazed at what's happening, knowing what the Bible says. But then again, I'm amazed that, that the Old Testament prophets prophesied of Jesus coming to Bethlehem and eh, whatever. It's just the indifference, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and we're seeing that today. And so as New Testament saints, and this is a phrase I don't appreciate, in this age of grace, can I tell you what the age of grace is? The age of grace is all the ages. Um, but there is a, a theology called dispensationalism, and it's a Schofield, if you have a Schofield reference Bible, it's, you, you can find it in there, uh, that says only the New Testament is the age of grace. <clears throat> and there's something called the age of the church, the church age, or something like that. Actually, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21 says, let, him be let there be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. So there is no end to the church age. It's just, it's just forever. And <clears throat> this idea that only the New Testament was an age of grace and that the Old Testament saints had to get saved by works, that's wrong. The Bible says, and we sing it at Anchor Club, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so grace has been around a lot longer than they want to say it has, and it's just silly stuff and actually pretty sad stuff. Um, and so waiting for the sound of the trumpet, and that is true. We just read about it. We'll read some more about it. We're to look heavenward and to be hopeful. Jesus Christ is coming again. Uh, and so as we read First Thessalonians 4, and we notice the word comfort in verse 18. The Bible tells us in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. No matter what happens, no matter what they pull tomorrow, no matter what kind of shenanigans are going on, no matter what... And, and, and I don't want to get off on this subject, and it really is a, really a time-wasting subject because, honestly, it seems like it's, it's, it's futile to even do anything about it. But, but there's something really suspicious about all of our politicking and our voting in our elections there's just something weird going on and yet we can't prove it and whether it's it's going on or not here's what's obviously happening god is allowing it and so where's the comfort the comfort is in jesus coming back but the comfort is the fact that he warned us and told us some things that we need to be aware of and be, and be, and be very mindful of. And so it's a great verse to have, Psalm 46.10, have it memorized. Be still and know that I am God. But what happens? I mean, the Russians bombed Poland. No, the Ukrainians did. But it's still the Russians' fault. World War III. Oh. Be still and know that I am God. No matter what. Be still and know that I am God. And uh, this is a day of much restlessness and very little peace. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Uh, God's people must find comfort and understand where it's at. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly and you'll find rest for your souls. Yoke up with Jesus. You know what I enjoy, like like going out Saturday, have we go out and we have opportunity to knock on doors and to witness to people and to uh, share the gospel with them. You know what I like about that? That is not a waste of time. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you can think of that's good to do, but if it doesn't work out, it'll be a waste of time. But it is not a waste of time to talk to people about the Lord. Even if they don't get saved, it's still not a waste of time. You know why? Because it's not a waste of time. You will, have, you will have given them opportunity. We should be encouraged by the fact that not just at any moment, but one day the trumpet, not could, but will sound and we will be caught up to be with Jesus Christ forever. If you're saved, there is a trumpet that's going to sound and after that last trumpet sounds, the, the Bible tells us the dead in Christ will rise. We read it here in Thessalonians. We're going to read it again in Corinthians 15. So let's look at three points tonight and let's talk about this. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to edit some things as we go. The promise of his coming. 
In the Bible, we learn about the character and nature of God. We know that God cannot lie. Titus 1-2 tells us that. It is not that he will not lie, but he cannot lie. As we read his word, we find the promise that he is coming. He said, I go to prepare a place for you in John 14-1. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Just like Douglas MacArthur said, I shall return to the uh, Philippines. Jesus said, I will come again. And we can, we can bank on that more than just even what a good man like MacArthur had to say. And so we can understand that God doesn't lie in what he says we can bank on. Uh, he is coming. But as it says in Second Peter, and we'll get there in a minute, they scoff at the idea of the return of Christ. Notice the promise of the Lord Jesus as I just quoted John 14, 1 through 3. I will go and prepare a place for you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. He is building a mansion for you and I, better than anything we could possibly imagine or deserve. And he said, I will come again. Then in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus left earth for the last time, in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, uh, when I say the last time, I mean the last time back then. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, but he, 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 he just ascended into heaven. He just ascended. And uh, it says in Acts chapter eight, eight or chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. And that's our job. That's the last thing. He did not say go build a storehouse and hand out free food. There's nothing wrong to do, but that wasn't the last thing he said to do. The last thing he said to do is to be witnesses unto me in your Jerusalem in your Judea, that's your county, in your Samaria, that's the next door neighbors, and then the uttermost part of the earth. Verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. So there again, this same Jesus that, are, that just ascended in the clouds will one day come back out of the clouds, all right? And so we see another promise of his coming. Just as he ascended bodily and was caught up in the clouds, so he is coming again in the clouds for his bride, the saved. Some people want to say the church, but it, in the only sense that that is correct is the fact that all the saved will be united, and that will be the first time you'll have a universal assembly, and it will be everybody, all right? It will be everybody. As Hebrews chapter 12 says, the general assembly, okay? Um, and then we can see in Revelation chapter number 1, where this is also mentioned, Revelation 1 and verse number 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. He is coming. And uh, notice, uh, we sang that song just before we started tonight, It Is Well With My Soul. Revelation chapter 6 Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island removed out of their places. Now, at this time is when the last trumpet sounds. After this time is when the last trumpet sounds. And so before the trumpet sounds, the clouds will be rolled back as a scroll, as it says here in the sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6. And the reason why I mention that is because we just sang the last verse of that song we just sang. And Lord haste the day when the faith shall be sight and the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. He got that right out of here. And then after that, he said, and the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall ascend. There is something called pre-tribulation rapture, which says <clears throat> that the rapture takes place before the seals are opened. And if you grew up like I did in church, that's what you were taught. I mean, everybody was taught that. That's just what you were taught to believe. The problem is, is that after a while, I realized that that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't align that way. Now, the 
the concern that people have is that people say, you mean that God is going to let Christians go through the wrath? No, no. Here's what we have to understand. The word tribulation means trouble. The word tribulation means problems, trials. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 33, he said, in this world, ye shall have tribulation. On the other hand, God said that we are not appointed to wrath. And so what I realized is that, is that my, you know, people who taught me and people who've, who've pastored me and people who I've listened to and people who I've respected in many other ways have somehow convinced themselves and allowed themselves to be brainwashed with the idea that tribulation and wrath are the same thing. No, tribulation is trouble in this world and trouble from Satan and this world. Wrath is from God. You and I that are saved cannot experience the wrath of God. <clears throat> but Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. So we're talking about the word comfort tonight because what is the comfort? And, and uh, I, I had pastors earlier this week that were arguing with me on social media. And they were saying, I don't get any comfort in the idea that we have to go through tribulation. How can you say what you're saying? Well, look, I get, let's, let's turn there. John chapter 16, verse 33. John 16 and verse 33. And as we turn there, I just want to ask, I quoted it, but now I want to, I want to read it to you and have you looking at it on the page. John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, now you're in the world, but in him you can still have peace. So in other words, you can be in a bad world and still have peace because you're in Jesus. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, they had some kind of a G20 summit, global 20, globalism G20 summit. They just had that recently. And uh, there are all these leaders of the world, including Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates. Wait a minute, those two guys haven't been elected to anything. But they were there. And what they're talking about is, is making this a one-world government. And they want it to happen, and they've been working on it for a long time. And, and can I tell you, without sounding like I'm uh, uh, throwing in the white towel, they eventually will get it. They will. Because I read the last book of the Bible, and there will be a global system. That's what 2020 was about. COVID was not just about American elections. COVID was about a rearranging. I mean, even Trump's daughter said, we've got to get ready for this brave new world. And it's all about this one world government system. Okay? And understand, it's not about America anymore. In fact, the one big blockade to the globalist agenda is America because America is so different in our thinking and those three documents that hang out there in our foyer have to go they gotta go and as much as I hate to say it eventually they will go now this will not go this will not go they might be able to get rid of those but they can't get rid of this this, Jesus promised that. So what I have to do is be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, and recognize what's happening. And so the preacher the other day said, how do you get comfort? Look, I get comfort of the fact that Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world. Philippians, in the book of Philippians, Paul was saying, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. <clears throat> uh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
I love what one preacher said, you know, they, they would threaten Paul. You keep preaching and all that stuff, we're just going to kill you. You say, that sounds, no, it's not suicidal. It's just, I know where I'm going. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And that's what's happening. And I think on the top of that, you've got the, you got the understanding that God's saying, hey, I always seem to get more out of my Christians, my believers, my children, when they are not focused on this world and they're just focused on me. And that's what needs to happen. But the world isn't that way. The world doesn't even think that way. So I, I explained to this preacher, I said, look, I take comfort in the fact that Jesus is warning me ahead of time and to prepare me. One of the reasons why COVID was not a major issue here in Mountain View Baptist Church is because we know that perilous times shall come. In the last days, perilous times shall come. And, and we're aware of that. We're aware of what's happening. We're not as blindsided as some others. We're understanding that just because the government says it doesn't mean the government's right. And, the, and we the people are the government. We should resist for our own sake. And, and we're doing that. And I trust me, even though I talk about globalism, I'm not in a hurry to see it happen. I hope I don't see it happen. But probably someone in this room tonight, youngest to oldest, probably youngest, is going to see it happen. It's just, it's just what we're talking about, folks. So I, I want you to understand that w- my problem is, as we read in Revelation 6, the sun will be darkened, the moon turned to blood, the stars will fall. Look at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And then we'll go to 1 Corinthians 15. Matthew 24, these are Jesus' words. He's been asked about future events and about the temple and the the nation of Israel. And he's been asked these questions. He's giving answers. And you'll notice right next to verse 29, there's a little pilcrow there. If you have a good Bible, you've got that little paragraph mark pilcrow thing there on verse 29. And and that's because a new subject is coming. a A new answer is being given here. Verse 29 of Matthew 24, immediately after the tribulation of those days, not before, after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. You know, that sounds just like Revelation chapter 6, verse 18 that we just read. And you know that, that, that Spafford, who wrote It Is Well With My Soul, said that that would happen, and then the trumpet would sound? Well, you know why he said that? Because of verse 30 and 31. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with heaven, with, of heaven with power and great glory. That sounds like Revelation 1, verse 7. And verse 31, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. There it is. That's what we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're about to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 about the trumpet and notice the order of events after tribulation after the sun is darkened after the moon and then the last trumpet will sound as first corinthians 15 says it says not just a trumpet but the last trumpet first corinthians 15 and verse number 52 in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed Out there in the foyer is that great big King James Bible. You and I have a King James Bible in our lap, but that one is of the original 1611. Not not one of the actual ones. That's just a facsimile of it, but it's the same thing. And you open up to Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 to 31, and you look over in the margin, and the translators wrote 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, matching Verse 31, because they recognized that trumpet was the same trumpet as the last trumpet. That just tells you where the translators are at, okay? That messes up the timing of things for a pre-tribulation rapture. Let me show you something else 
as we were in Corinthians, go to Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse one. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, nor tro- or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by let- word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. By the way, let's just stop. What is the day of Christ? That's the return of Christ. That's what we are all looking forward to. My, my favorite verse in the Bible is Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's the day we're looking for. He is our Christ. The word Christ means Messiah. Does he want to be everyone's Messiah? Yes. Is he everyone's Messiah? No. So who then will welcome the day of Christ? Only those who who are Christians, only those who want him, who are the Messiah's children, all right? The Messiah's saved, all right? So we are the ones looking for him. So for the Christians, it's the day of Christ. It is a good day. It is a positive thing, all right? So that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Falling away first comes from the Greek word apostasia. Does anybody know what apostasy is? Apostasy is when you go away from what you believed. Apostasy is when you go into false doctrine and error. That's apostasy, apostate. So falling away is apost. The Greek apostasy is translated falling away. I, I, I'm not kidding. I have read this example. I, no, I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me, I'll tell you this in a minute. But it says two things. They're falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, if you have been a student of pre-tribulation theology, the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture, and you remember these left-behind books that used to be real popular, and they made movies, left-behind movies. And uh, the Left Behind series is built on this whole idea that all of a sudden people just vanish and disappear. Poof, they're just poof, out. And then they're gone. And then there's supposed to be seven years of this tribulation period. And the first three and a half aren't so bad. And the second three and a half are the great tribulation period. And that's when the Antichrist comes on the scene. Now, question. According to what we just read there, day of Christ cannot come until there's a falling away and the man of sin is revealed what? First. So according to their theory, their theology, they have to say that the day of Christ happens before the Antichrist is revealed. But Paul said, no, you, because the, the whole subject of this, of this context was the Thessalonians thought that they missed the return of Jesus. And Paul says, don't worry, you didn't miss it because it can't happen until there's a great falling away first and then the man of sin is revealed. And so, in other words, that man of sin, the son of perdition, what do we call him today? They call him the Antichrist, Satan, incarnate. Uh, he, he's, he is going to be horrible. And uh, he's going to make everyone have this mark and they can't buy or sell without this mark in their hand or in their forehead. But according to the pre-tribulation position, that doesn't happen until after, poof, we're all zapped out of here. But according to what I'm reading to you here, that day cannot come except there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. When I read that, I thought to myself, there it is. It's wrong. What I've been taught is wrong. Because I've been taught there's no way that the Antichrist will be revealed till after the secret rapture of the saints. Listen, the blessed hope is not a secret rapture of Jesus zapping us out of here. The blessed hope is that Jesus is coming again. So if the Antichrist and a great falling away happens before he comes again, there's going to be tribulation. Could be that this man of sin is alive right now. So then I'm going to tell you what I was going to tell you earlier. I've actually read where someone said, well, the, the falling away, what that means is, is that God is going to allow the 
gravitational hold on all of the Christians to be void. And so the globe spins, and all of the Christians will no longer have a gravitational magnet to the globe, and so all the Christians, there'll be this great falling away where all the Christians will just fall away off the earth. Okay? Look, the Greek word is apostasia, all right? is a silly, silly explanation. But here's a more serious explanation. If you've got any other Bible, if you've got any other Bible, you've got a New King James, that would be an exception. In this case, the New King James stayed faithful to, to the text and thankful for that, but they miss, miss it in other places. But if you've got an NIV, if you've got an ASV, if you've got a New Living Translation, if you've got an ESV, if you've got an NASB, if you've got just any old Bible, if you have a Jehovah's Witness New World Translation Bible, if you have a Catholic Bible, I mean, we're talking every other Bible out there except for King James and New King James. They changed it to Day of the Lord because Day of the Lord is always wrath and judgment. So if they change it to Day of the Lord, then this all fits. Well, the Day of the Lord won't come until... Well, yeah, then, then, it doesn't, then it doesn't hurt us. It's all, listen, I know guys who are King James only that want it to say Day of the Lord right there. And they've even suggested that that's really, well, Jesus is Lord, right? He's Christ, Lord, same thing, right? No, you don't change the Bible because here's the difference. Who is he Lord over? Everybody. Who is he Christ for? just the Christians. It changes the meaning. See, the day of Christ is only a good thing for the Christians. Day of the Lord is a bad thing because it's involving the judgment of God, the wrath of God. All right. Now, we've gotten a little bit ahead of ourselves, but let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Here's the attitude of the world today, just like in Noah's day. I'm going to read just the, the 11 verses or so. Second Peter 3, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of the apostles, the Lord and our Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lesson. We have that today saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And that's the way the world is. I mean, you know, there's no coming of Jesus. That's baloney. Um, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. So, so Peter reminds us, hey, you know, they thought that before the flood came in Noah's day. They all laughed at Noah and start, until it started raining. And verse 7 says, But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved into fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And Al Gore will finally get to say, See, it really is global warming. No, it's God warming it up big time. Verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So, you know, as far as timing, you know, God thinks of a thousand years as a day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Sometimes you wonder, why doesn't God come? Because one more person needs to get saved. But the day of the Lord, all right, this is the bad thing. This is, this is that judgment that's coming. Now, again, he is my Christ, and of course he is the Lord as well, but he is not going to be their Christ if they're not saved. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be on a holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting in the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, no, no matter how terrible that all sounds, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. The world is not prepared for what's coming but you and I ought to be and Christian you and I ought to be aware and, and right now here's what's happening and here's the opportunity we have 
we have a lot of American citizens that are saying, what is going on? And the conversation should not be about politics. The conversation should go straight to the word of God and Jesus. And we should be saying, I'm going to tell you what's going on. This thing's coming to a close. Are you on the ark or are you not on the ark? Are you in Christ Jesus or are you not in Christ Jesus? And what opportunity we have as tribulation comes and as trouble arises. What opportunity if we know the Bible and we're able to share it, what opportunity? So as we talk about the plan of his coming, you'll notice that for the whole paragraph on the bottom of page 30 and the first top of the paragraph on page 31, there's not one reference given for all that's being said there. And you saw the lines that I crossed out and changed for you. And all you got to write down is wrath versus tribulation. Because in John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, which is the chapter right after where we started tonight, it says, God hath not appointed us to wrath. We are not under the wrath of God. John chapter 3 says, the wrath of God abides on those who are not believers. That's why people are scared to death. That's why people are scared to die, because the wrath abides on them. They're not ready to die. But a Christian, someone in our church has a son who works as a nurse, as a yeah, a nurse in a hospital. And they said, Mom, I can see it in their face. There's a difference in the way people die. When you're not saved, the wrath is just hanging over you like a cloud. But when you're saved, there's just something different about it. There, you, the wrath doesn't abide on you. You're not condemned any longer. All right? So I've said a lot tonight, but in Thessalonians 4, where we started, God tells us that there will be this catching away, this caught up time period. And that's what we're looking for. But don't get the impression that it's going to be just this secret thing and we're all going to get zapped out of here no, it's going to be after a real upheaval of things and there's going to be a great falling away first and the man of sin will be revealed first. And I agree, as it says here in the middle of page 31 next to the box, we are so fastened to this world that we often forget what glory awaits us. Can I tell you something? You know who the most fortunate one is right now in our entire church membership? You know, you know the most fortunate member of our church right now? Her name is Cassandra McMillan. But I wonder how many of us thought that way today. She's going home. That sounds like giving up attitude. If you saw it, you'd understand why I said it. If you saw where she was going, you'd understand why I just said what I said. You think this is heaven? She's the one that's fortunate. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain, not less. Oh, what a terrible, terrible. The only thing it's terrible for is us when we lose a loved one. 1 Corinthians 15 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We have victory over death. We're not afraid of death. We're not afraid of this stuff. And tribulations, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience hope. And I don't know about you, but the best teacher I ever had was something called tribulation. I learned more in tribulation than I ever learned in a classroom. It just teaches you like nothing else will. We will be caught up with those who have already died in Christ and will be with him forever. That's, that's the hope in all this. <clears throat> and it says there in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 21 through 23. I've been quoting it all night. Let me just read it. For to me... To live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul says, 
I'm kind of in a straight, I'm kind of in a quandary because I'd love to just go to heaven right now. But to abide in the flesh is more, I need to stay here for your sake. That's what Paul's saying. And um, every time we lose a saint, it's kind of a hurt for us because it's just one other person that's no longer here, they're there. But I got wonderful news. We're all going to be there. If you're saved, we're going to be there. That's the, that's the blessing. And the plan of his coming is the last trump. And when that trumpet sounds, as far as we're concerned, it's all, it's all behind us. <clears throat> so look at Revelation chapter 10 and chapter 11. Because Revelation chapter 10 and chapter 11 tells us about some trumpets. See, in the, in the Bible... The last book of the Bible has seven trumpets. Now, I am not the brightest guy on the blog. But when I know, when I see seven trumpets, I figured out that the seventh trumpet is the last trumpet. Did I lose you? But when I try to explain that to my to my pastor friends, oh no, that's not the last trumpet. Dude, that's the last trumpet in the Bible. I'm just saying, that's the, that, oh, that's just too simplistic. You don't understand these things. So in other words, the last trumpet really isn't the last trumpet. No wonder people are confused. And, and I don't know, there might be someone sitting in here that used to be involved in a different church and you've heard end times talked about and you're going, uh, it isn't that hard. What makes it hard is the confusion. But in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, it says, In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he begins to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. So something very mysterious finishes at the seventh trumpet. And then chapter 11, it talks about it again. Verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded. He's got the seventh trumpet in his hand. He's the seventh angel. He sounds. And there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God and their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. So now after the seventh trumpet, the wrath is come. And at the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, <coughs> and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them, which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in the temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and earthquake, and great hail. Notice it says there, in verse number 15, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. There's something very final here. <laughs> this is it. <clears throat> this is the end of it. As far as we're concerned, this is what we're waiting for. And I, I said, and I will say, I, when, when someone says, how can you say that it's going to be a comfort to us if we're going to have to go through tribulation? Have you not read about the Christians in Sudan or the Christians in China or the Christians in some, man, they've already been martyred for their faith. It's just, it's American Christians that aren't used to it. It's a silly concept. And guess what? If we are under a great tribulation, if there is a lot of tribulation going, going on, you know what's going to be the most comforting thing in the world? The Bible and the promise of the seventh trumpet. And so I said, my comfort is in the coming of Christ. The coming of Christ. The appearing of Christ. That's what we are to look forward to. And so preparing for his coming. Jesus Christ is coming again. Amen. And we need to prepare. We need to know that we are saved. And we need to be faithfully serving him. Now I, I still love and appreciate many Christians who do not see this yet. And, and, I, and I want to say this carefully. But they're going to see it. The, the worst part about this whole thing is is that the more I'm, I'm proven right, the less I like it. Because it's like, ha ha, see? 
we're in more tribulation. See, 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 I, we're in more tribulation. It's not fun. So, so I'm not going, I told you so, I told you so, because it's like, I told you so, and it's getting worse. I think it's more worse than probably some older Christians in this room have ever dreamed it would be. But we need to understand the blessed hope is Jesus coming and he is coming. And so are you saved? Do you know him? The Bible says, he that hath the son hath life. And these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the son of God. So the last chapter is Revelation 22 and we'll be done. Revelation 22. And this is what we were discussing on Sunday nights recently. Revelation 22 verse 12. Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Don't be so focused on this world that you're laying up your treasure on earth. Jesus said, don't lay up your treasure on earth. Lay up your treasure in heaven. He is coming, and when he comes, it will be quick, and his rewards will be with him, and he will give out rewards. Keep serving him. And then verse 20 says, almost the last verses of the Bible, he which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly, amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, and if we are suffering more than we've ever suffered before, we will still be praying that. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We want you to come. We are looking for you to come. You are what we're hoping for and waiting for. That is the hope of Christians everywhere, is the return of Christ. And if we die, we get to see him even faster. It's okay. Nothing wrong with that. I've written a couple books on this subject and I don't advertise them. They are somewhat of a controversial thing, and, and I'm not trying to sell books, especially at church. But it's kind of fun because, man, I get people I don't even know that call me up or want to buy a book or whatever. And, and my whole thing is the Bible is the Bible, and the Bible's the final authority. It doesn't matter what Dr. Big Shot said and what Dr. Big Shot's chart says. The Bible is the final authority, and I'm not going to go against the Word of God. The King James Bible, I can trust it, and that's what I'm going to follow. And because of it, that's my problem. And um, so, you know, from time to time, I get encouraging letters and phone calls, just like I get discouraging arguments and comments. And yesterday, this guy called me. This guy from Georgia called me. Evans, Georgia. Never been there. Have no idea where it's at. He called me from Evans, Georgia. He said, hey, I just want to tell you something. I saw your book. I got your book. I read it. Man, it was exciting. And I've been, I'm a King James guy, but I haven't been swallowing this pre-trib stuff. And I just, I, he said, I want to buy it. I said, I said, well, you already have it. He said, well, but I feel guilty because I found it. I said, what do you mean you found it? He said, I went to a doctor's appointment. And I went into the waiting room, and sitting on the couch in the waiting room was this book. And I saw the title, and I'm like, wow, I got to have that. So I took it home, and I read the whole thing. And then I thought, I got to call you and tell you. I feel like I should pay you. I said, well, you don't need to pay me. Somebody else bought it. Must have left it there. I just blown away. He said, I want to buy the next one. You know, know, I, I like that. That's encouraging to me. It's so out of the blue. It's so random. It's so unusual and it's also encouraging he said i he said pastor i've been studying this for a long time and it's just nice to see someone else thinking the same thing on the same page and there's a lot of people out there like that and so unfortunately this one time i have to disagree with the the booklet we're using but i can still agree with a lot of what he said christ is our hope and we are preparing for his coming And what we're supposed to be doing before he comes is to prepare others for his coming. We're supposed to be preparing our neighbors and people all around. The guy at the post office today said, man, you you sell a lot of books. Or, Or he said, you ship a lot of books. And there was a line, so I didn't get a chance to stay and talk to him. But the next time I go in there, I'm gonna say, let me tell you why these books that are, I've actually wrote a book and, and here's, here's something about the gospel because this is what we need to know. And just the opportunity to share the gospel and to witness to people. That's our, that's our number one job is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is coming again. And the exciting thing is 
is it's getting closer and closer. But understand, as it gets closer and closer, it's getting darker and darker. Because you can't have an antichrist, globalist world government without getting things arranged for it. And that's what's happening. And it's it's something that the conspiracy theorists are very much into. They are very much terrified by all this. And they are like wearing tinfoil hats and they're following all these people and what they're doing. And, and have you ever heard of transhumanism? Robots? I mean, they got these robots that are like human. And they're like fighting warrior robots. Uh, this is all true stuff. And transhuman, where they try to like combine robot with human. And we got conditioned with all that, with Star Wars and everything like that. It's coming. And that's scaring people. But you know why I'm not scared? I got a book that told me ahead of time how it's going to end. That's my comfort. That's my joy. That's why I say, wow. On one hand, it's like, oh. On the other hand, it's like, wow. Praise the Lord for the comfort in all of this. And that's our, that's our great that's our great inroad right now is to take the gospel to people who are worked up and, and worried and show them, hey, I don't like it either. I'm an American and I hate this stuff, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm a Christian and I see what's coming and try to share the good news with them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the fact that there is hope in the second coming of Jesus Christ. There is hope because you are going to return. You will return. And if we are um, taken home before you return, that's not bad. That's wonderful. We're, we're going to be with you. We're going to be free from stress and trial and tribulation. It's us that cry for ourselves whenever we lose a loved one. But Lord, I know that you and your heaven is is everything. And so help us to think and focus and to have our minds and hearts set on things above and not on things of the earth help us to be prepared mentally as best we can and spiritually as we read and follow your word help us to be kind and considerate when people don't get it or understand it but instead just try to share with them they need to be ready they need to know you they need to trust you as their savior thank you God for giving us your word It's such an anchor in times like these. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.